as we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Wednesday night in the book of Chronicles. We'll be finishing that up in a couple of weeks, and then we'll be getting into a new study into the book of Hebrews. Today, Luke 21, we'll finish the chapter, and let's back up one verse into verse 24. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations, And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, even the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear of the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth." For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Now, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, lift up your head, for your redemption draws nigh or near. And so then he spoke a parable unto them, saying, Look at the fig tree, please note with me, and the other trees. And when they are already budding, you will see and know for yourself that summer is now near or nigh. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now take heed to yourself, and lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that the day would come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come on you as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man." And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mount called Olivet. Then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you'd bless our time through your word, Lord, as we look at end times and we look at your return. Lord, that we would not be soon shaken. We wouldn't have fear as man wants to dominate this world by fear. We know, Lord, that perfect love casts out fear. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit and your spirit of discernment into our lives. And so speak to us today and every day in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, if you weren't with us, the whole message was on Israel. And and when we look at prophetic, when we look at the eschatology, when we're looking at end times, everything revolves around Israel. And so when we looked at Israel and its history, and then we looked at this text, we saw that there were a few things different than the version over in Matthew. Remember, Jesus speaking to a Jewish audience, but he is also putting a little bit of us, the church, inside of this section to what he does not do in Matthew's section. And I want you to see that because we ended with verse 24. I want to reread it and then that will take us into the next section. 
He says, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captives into all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until we'll, note with me, the times, with an S there, of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, Jesus was specifically talking to this generation at that time, noting to them that Israel, Jerusalem, will be in ruins. And we know that comes in 70 AD. He told them specifically what to do, but they did not heed him. The church did because we don't see any of the church perishing during the time of Titus Vespasia, who comes in 70 AD. And then they are, notice with me, led away captive into all the nations. Israel is now, the Jews for the most part, are spread throughout the world until the regathering of the nation in what year, church? May 1940, July 4th, 1776, that's ours. What is theirs? May 14th, 1948, that is their day. And so too, a nation that was reborn again, birthed in one day, came back. But note with me, Jerusalem is not in the hands or specifically the Temple Mount is still not even in the hands of the Jewish people. So we are still in that parentheses of being trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The times of the Gentiles or the age of grace for us is God dealing with the world through the church. We are his mouthpiece. Before, it was God dealing with the world through the Jewish voice. That Jewish voice will come back. Now, in verse 24 and 25, you can see a dramatic shift because he goes from telling them about the destruction of Jerusalem and the spreading of the Jews telling us what the last event will be, please note with me, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Last week we mentioned this. By the way, we will get into this deeper or deeply when we get to the book of Revelation. When we go through the seven letters to the seven churches and we look at church history, then we get to chapter four that mentions the rapture of the church and then on into that tribulation period. For us as the church, When the last Gentile gets saved, then God removes us from the world. Thank you for the woo-hoo. We're going to have to stop the woo-hoos. No. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I always want to mention this because there's, and I don't mean to say it this way, But I don't understand this. There is a movement in the church. There is a wave of the church. There is a group of people in the church who think that the church will go through the tribulation period, this seven-year period. We are the bride of Christ, and I keep mentioning this all the time. Why would God beat up on his bride before he takes her to the wedding? How do I know that? I can prove it by Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, please note, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Well, what is that wrath? That's what he is about to talk about next in Luke. By the way, I want to look at one other verse while we are jumping around. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. 
And I know we said that we weren't going to talk about Matthew because Matthew was primarily teaching the Jews about the tribulation period, but I want to point one verse out. Matthew 24, verse 25. I love to hear those pages moving. We got to have a thing in the app so we hear it moving when it moves. Yeah, now, if you, de- if you um, develop that, I want half of the money for that, for that app. Notice in verse 25, he says, see, I have told you what? Beforehand. That's important to everything that we are about to study, not only in this section, but also to come. Turn back now, Luke. See, I have told you beforehand, so we shouldn't be caught off guard by anything. Anything that we speak about about end times, as we'll see, is Jesus laying it out very easy for us to understand. And so that's why we went into so much detail last week with the Jewish nation. Amen? So now at the end of that, where am I? Back in verse, so at the end of verse 24 in Luke, when the time of the Gentiles are done, the church is removed out of the way, remember, because we will not experience God's wrath, which we'll read in a minute. So he pulls us out of the way, and now verse 25, he goes back into telling them, jump backwards uh, in verse 7. When the disciples are asking him, he says, Teacher, but when will these things be, and what will be the sign there and the things that will take place? So he's answering their questions, which was, The temple, look at the temple. And so Jesus went into the destruction of the temple. Now he's talking about their next question of when these things will happen in the future. And so he says, now verse 25, by the way, you can write above it. Now, this is the tribulation period. Before then, you could write 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem. He says, there will be signs in the sun. (laughs) Now, We're going to go to Revelation, and we're going to read a couple of things, but I don't know about you, but I am so glad I am not going to be here at all. How many of you have ever seen something that it took your breath away? Um, In the verse coming up, the word about being perplexed actually means that, that there, there is no breath in them. They're so scared by what they see. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth. There will be distress of nations with perplexity, and the seas and the waves roar, and men's hearts fail them from fear of what? Of the expectation of these things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken." I want to make this statement before we go to Revelation here. Guys, for the most part, people have heard on planet Earth, whether they, you know, in passing or not, they've heard the church talk about the end times. They've heard the church talk about the tribulation. They've they've heard about judgment that is coming, right? They may not have fully understood it, but they know enough to go, all right, I've heard that before, right? Well, now let's turn to Revelation chapter 6. And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we will uh, be here sometime this year. (laughs) 
the next chapter has 74 verses, all right? It's going to take us a couple of months to get through that chapter. Now, Revelation 6, these seals are opened up. I'm not, not going to go into detail, but this is starting to be the pouring of the judgment of God upon a Christ-rejecting world. And in verse 13, all right, let's do verse 12. All right, let's start in Revelation 1. No. He says in verse 12, And I looked, and he opened up the sixth seal. And behold, there was a what? A great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon like blood. Isn't that what Jesus just said? You will see great signs in the sun. Now listen, if the sun turns black, not an eclipse, but turns black, does anyone else think people are just going to lose their mind of terror? Now, when we talk about the moon turning uh, blood, right? Well, you've heard the blood red moons because of the atmosphere. I'm talking about deep red. Not an atmospheric event, but actually red. What do you think that's going to do to the average run-of-the-mill person on planet Earth? They are going, we're going to read them. They're going to be perplexed. The old King James says, bowels are loosed. <laughs> you got to love the old King James every once in a while. Let's keep going. So there's a great earthquake. This, this world is going to shake. I come from earthquake country. Maybe you have not come from that area. Earthquakes are fun until the epicenter is in your town, and then they're no longer fun. Imagine the entire earth shaking. He says, and the sun will become black as sackcloth and hair and the blood and the moon will become like blood, and the stars of heaven fall to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. And the sky recedes as a scroll when it is rolled up. I don't even know what that means, but that's terrifying, isn't it? Every mountain and every island, Hawaii's gone out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the tech giants in Silicon Valley, the rich men, the commanders, the generals, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in caves and rocks in the mountains. Why? Notice what it says, verse 16. And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him. Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, who is able to stand. Now, what I find just totally mind-blowing is that they continue in their sin after this. They see all of these great things. They know it's Jesus who is coming to judge them, they continue. The tribulation is all, it's getting people's attention. It's that one last. Listen, if you have not accepted Christ, when the moon goes blood red and the sun goes black and the stars fall to the earth, that should get your attention. And if it doesn't, 
then your heart is so hard, you will not be in eternity with God. Now, I made this statement before. Let's say it again. We are not here. The church is not here. Why? Notice the phrase in verse 17. For the wrath, his wrath has come. Now, we just read in Thessalonians that it has not been appointed unto us to have that wrath upon the church. Turn back to Luke. Now, you may be here today, and I'm just going to apologize right away that I might be going a little quick in a topic that you may have never heard before, but we have lots of studies on end times. I encourage you to go through First and Second Thessalonians. We recently did that. There's a lot of timeline in there to help you, and again, Stick around, Lord willing, when we get to the book of Revelation, and then we'll freak everybody out. So, we've got all of this going on in verse 25. Remember, the timeline is after the time of the Gentiles are done, the church is removed, and now God opens up these seals, these bold judgments. Notice what it does in verse 26. Men's hearts fail them from fear, and the expectation of these things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. That is intense. Matthew, when he is writing um, in chapter 24, he said, if those days were not uh, shortened, all flesh would be destroyed. It is only by God's grace (laughs) that he compacts that time down, or there would be no people around. Note with me verse 27. Then they will see the Son of Man. Who's that? It's Jesus. Coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look, lift, I'm sorry, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. So, those who are going through the tribulation period, and there will be people who get saved during that time. You will have to lose your life, though. You have to lay down your life. We'll get to that in the book of Revelation. But there are people in this time, and so there is a warning to them when they see the Son of Man coming with power and great glory. Okay, keep turn back to... Let's go back a couple of verses. Where did I go? Uh, go back to verse 8. Going backwards, Jesus said, take heed that you be not deceived. Remember that? He said, for many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near. Jesus says, but don't go after them. He answers that, and he says, listen, you want to know when I'm coming? It's real easy. (laughs) When the moon goes to red and the sun goes to, anybody seen that lately? The sun go black? Mm, no. Great earthquake on, on the entire world? No. Famines and plagues at such a strong? Yeah, they've always happened, but not to the strength that it will happen during that time. So, those who are here, which is not us, the church, how many times am I going to say that today? At least 60. Why? Because There are people in the church who think that they want to go through the... uh, I don't get it. 
I'm happy with having the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years in the presence of Jesus Christ in glory in a transformed body. I don't even want to see on the jumbo screen the sun going black. I could care less. And I have a feeling that you and I will not even know what's going on on planet Earth because God is right in front of us. Grace and love is there. Why would we look at this stinking planet? That's why, not to break off point here, but you know when you go to those funerals and they say, Uncle Bob's looking down on us. If he's in heaven and he's looking down, he's not in heaven. He's somewhere else. Because if if you're that distracted in heaven, heaven is not a place that we should be. I have a feeling that we will not be looking down on planet earth at these things happening. He says, notice now, he brings it to, brings it back. He says, now when these things begin to happen, please note that. Now he's talking to us again, the church. What things? It's these signs. It's these birth pains that we mentioned last week. These great birth pains. Remember, ladies giving birth, you had these birth pains. And in the beginning, they were stretched out and the pains were All right, they were strong, but they weren't as powerful. And then as you get closer and closer, the pains get more and more intense, and the time frame gets shorter in between the birth pains. So Jesus says, listen, when you see these things starting to take place, now this world has always seen earthquakes. It's always seen travail with nations. It's always seen plagues. It's always seen wars. But... The intensity of earthquakes and all these things since 1900, or more specifically, since 1948, has grown stronger and stronger and stronger. And I don't even want to go down this path today of man-made COVID in a laboratory developed by man. That is an unusual pestilence. By the way, did you notice... Think, uh, I don't know who to think, but there is no more flu. We finally got rid of it as a nation and as a people. Yay for us. Where's the flu? Uh, I got to pause. Now, when you see these things begin to happen, note with me what the, what the direction for us as the church is. Look up. Why? Because he's going to tell us that looking on planet Earth is the wrong way of living. Do you hear that? Focusing your attention on COVID is the wrong thing to do. Focusing your attention on the fear that comes from governments and media outlets. He's going to talk about the cares of this world. We need to lift up our head, not down. Down is a sign of submission. Lifting up your head is praising. I praise God that this means we're going home soon. I hope so. We'll see. Look look up. Lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. And then he spoke a parable to them. And he said, look at the fig tree and all the other trees. Now, the fig tree can apply to Israel. It can, 
But notice with me what Luke says here that's different than Matthew. He says, and the other trees. He doesn't want you to focus on the fig tree. He wants you to focus on the idea that he is presenting. And it is this. When they are budding, you see and know for yourself that summer is near or nigh. It's coming. So when you look at a tree, any tree, and you see it budding, you think to yourself, oh, we're going to get to summer, and then we'll get to fall, and we'll harvest that. There is a progression of steps, right? He says, so you, you, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is nigh or near. For surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So, in verse 28, he is directing us as the church to note when these things begin. Peter says, knowing that all these things will transpire, what manner of living should you live? And he is specifically talking about end times, which means when you see these things started, how are you living? Jesus will mention that in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So verse 28, he's talking about us. We need to be focused. We need to look at those things. And then he tells them, when you see these things happening, you also know that the kingdom of God is near. It's, it's coming. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, there has been a debate about that phrase and that verse for, I don't know, last 2,000 years. What is a generation? We're missing the point. It's not about the generation. It's about the people who are seeing those things happen. These things, speaking of the, go backwards, seeing the signs and the sun and the moon and the stars and the distress of nations with the perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring when men's heart failed them for the end of the expectation of these things are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. When that group sees that happening, when that group, assuredly I say to you that this generation, that generation that sees that thing start happening, will buy, that means it's, they're going to they're gonna be the last ones to see that. It is not when the nation of Israel was birthed in 1948. This is what happened. This is what happened inside the church. They thought, well, a generation in the Old Testament is 40 years, so 40 years on top of 48 is 88, so 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88, uh, a book that was widely sold at the time. The problem is 89 happened, and then 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 89. You can't date set, and anybody that does date set, you need to run from them. Never go down that path. But what Jesus says is, this is those who are in the tribulation, they will be able to open up the book of Revelation and read it like the front page news. They will actually know and count the days until he comes. He will tell us that when we get to the book of Revelation, the actual days when you see the abomination of desolation happening, I think it's 1,200-something days, then you will see the coming of the Son of Man be, and he will set up his kingdom. Notice, 
I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Guys, all things that are in the book of Revelation, in Thessalonians, in Daniel, in Zechariah, all of the prophets, it's going to be fulfilled. I love how he tells us here, heaven and earth will pass away. This planet, <laughs> gone. And everything on it. The heavens, what we see right now, and it's pretty amazing. Did anyone see Saturn and Jupiter coming together? How cool was that? We were trying to use our little telescope to zoom in on. Couldn't do it. But it is cool. And I love how God has created the universe for us to observe. I love that. It's amazing. All of that's gone. You're like, but I like Saturn. Gone. Heaven and earth will pass away. These are definitive. It will happen. But God's word will never pass away. Amen? No matter what this world is going to go through, this word that you hold in your hand is still true. But, verse 34, now know what Jesus does here. He just gave an eschatology message. He gave an, a message about 70 AD and destruction. He told us that the church will be gone. There'll be the tribulation. All of these things will happen. Men's hearts will fail them. But he says in verse 34, but he brings it back to us. Because it's easy to read something like this and get too wrapped up in the things that sometimes don't matter. But take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that that day come upon you unexpectedly. Now, that's powerful. He tells us to be living a life that is expecting his return. Now, let's take a look at this verse. But take heed to yourself, lest you be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 for a moment. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hopefully you know it well. After coming out of the, the heroes of faith of chapter 11, the writer to the Hebrews, maybe, I, I, I happen to believe it might be Paul, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, that's the guys and the gals in chapter 11. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't, uh, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. But notice with me in verse 1, he says, let's lay aside every weight. Now, Paul the apostle, he loves sports, he loves farming, and he loves military as his examples. Those are the three that he uses. And remember, he's, he's been raised in the Greco-Roman world that had the Olympics. 
They were very athletic. He knew what it was like to watch those races. And by the way, the early marathon runners used to run naked. Why? Because they didn't want anything hampering them from running as fast as they can. That is not a PG-friendly race. (laughs) Wow. But think about this. You know, every four years, well, if we don't have a pandemic, we have an Olympics, don't we? And you see those, they got the 100-yard dash. You ever seen a racer get into the block and put a backpack on with 100 pounds? Or grab two suitcases? Now, I think this is how we should have Olympics. We should add some fun things into it. (laughs) See how fast you can run with two suitcases. Okay. But you would never see anybody do that. Why? Because they knew it would hamper them from running and winning the race. And yet God tells us over and over that we need to be careful about the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let's turn back to Luke. Now, Jesus says, take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighted down. What do you mean my heart can be weighted down? He's going to tell us the things that can weigh us down. (laughs) The first one is carousing. Now, how many of you use that on a daily basis as a word in your English language? No. You know what it means? It means hangover. In the Greek, it means the effects of long drinking, and I would just add being stupid at night. Allowing something to cloud your judgment. So when you can't really think, how many, now now just for a brief moment, remember those times for a brief moment. How clear were you the next day? Not very. I think sometimes we think in our modern world, uh, the Bible really doesn't apply to us. These people were drunk a lot. The Greeks, the Romans. Guys, they didn't have, sadly, they didn't have all of the other pharmaceuticals that are out there. So the way to numb your pain was with really cheap wine. They also had beer at that time. We know that because the Egyptians, we've uh, uncovered some hieroglyphics. And this professor was talking about all his, his students like to do is hang around and drink beer. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? That's as good as I get today. So he tells us not to be weighted down with carousing. And then he adds that just so we're clear, drunkenness. We have a problem. Drunkenness on planet Earth. Inside of the church, social drinking is apparently now a new wave. (laughs) Of course, that wave started in California and Washington and Portland. But it is a wave that they think they can do this. Let me tell you, I haven't had any alcohol in probably 25 years. You know what? I think I'm doing just fine. And if you think that you need that, then you have other issues. Because Jesus is all that we need. We don't need to be like the world. I'm so tired of thinking that we need to be like the world to be relevant. Well, I just drink 
so I can be relevant to my buddies? How about showing them that you can be um, sober-minded and you don't need that? You don't need to go down that path. The Bible talks a lot about drunkenness. Then he talks about the cares of this life. Do you know that the cares of this life can weigh you down? And you're like, I, I just went through 2020, of course, <laughs> right? The cares of this life. Jesus says, take heed to yourself that your heart not be weighted down by the cares of this life. It's real easy to be distracted by the things of this world. This is not our home. I love how the Bible talks about Abraham, that he was a sojourner and a pilgrim. He never had a permanent home. The dude lived in a Coleman tent his whole life because he knew that this was not his home. And the Bible used him as an illustration. Now, please, don't send me an email and said, we just went to the Coleman store and got a tent and we're ready to sell in our house and we're... The point is, when we're living this life, Is our stuff dominating and weighing us down? Or can we freely give it away at any moment? Take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that the day would come upon you unexpectedly. Notice what he says in the next verse. He says, for it will come as a snare. Um. This would be a strange question, Matt, but how many of you have ever been caught in a bear trap? Really? Oh, that would be funny. Matt's like, I have. Uh, Well, careful. Guys, what is a snare? Is a snare something um, that is easily seen? I mean, if you're tracking a bear or... Why are we tracking bears? Or like, you know, tigers in India where they make a tiger pit. They don't, they cover it up. You can't see it. People fall into traps and snares all the time. Jesus says you should be able to know the trap of the enemy and it shouldn't catch you off guard. Do you have a problem with XYZ of sin? If you have a problem in there, then you shouldn't be caught off guard when the devil brings it right up into your lap. You shouldn't be caught off guard. Don't come, for it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the earth. He's encouraging us to be smart. He says, notice, watch. Why does God want us to watch? He wants us to watch because he just told us a chapter about everything that was happening, not only in 70 AD, but to the Jews, to the regathering of the nation, and then ultimately seeing these things transpire in the birth pains. I don't know about you, but this is the time to watch. Now, I have to say this as a, as a teacher because I am bombarded by information. And a lot of that information is not accurate especially inside of the church, people send, listen, don't send emails to other people unless you verify them. Can I get an amen? Please don't do that. Don't send 50 emails to the, knock that off. Don't do that. But I'm bombarded with information all the time, and I have to weed out the stuff that can really keep my attention off of Jesus. Watch, therefore. 
So he wants us to watch, but he also wants us to occupy until he comes. He says, notice with me, and pray how often? (laughs) In 2020, you don't have to tell us to pray, Jesus. We're doing it all the time. Again, God allows things to happen to nations and countries and the world to get our attention. He allows those things to happen. Did God invent it? No, but he allowed it. He says, pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass to stand before the Son of Man. Now, please note with me because Jesus is not telling us that we work our way into salvation because no one is counted worthy. Everybody got that? So how are you counted worthy to stand before Jesus? That I accept the Son of Man into my life. That's how I'm I'm counted worthy. What Jesus is saying is because he knows his audience, (laughs) his religious audience, there are a lot of people who think, well, I can do it. I know people in the church who say, I've got guns and water and food, and I'm going to make it through the tribulation. You're stupid. And I say that in a loving way to people who have other guns. You want to get out of that? Accept Jesus Christ. Guys, I think there are a lot of people who are going to get raptured up with us and be like, really? Yes, listen to the messages that Jesus was telling us. I think we're going to be shocked at who's there and who's not there. But I think these people who think, well, I'm going to go through the tribulation, and I'm going to have camo and bunkers and nuclear weapons and and they're going to be coming up in the air with them, and I'm just going to be laughing the whole time. Ha ha, I didn't spend my money on that. He tells us to be counted worthy to escape all things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and he stayed on the Mount of Olivet. And then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Now, as we journey into the next chapter, which we're not today, as we journey into this chapter, we're going to see the plot against Jesus. We're going to see the religious leaders wanting to remove God from their midst. We're going to see everything that transpires. We're going to see the Passover with the disciples. We're going to see him in in a trial. We're going to see all of this. So I encourage you, to read ahead these 70, what did I say? I said 74 last night, but there's these 71 verses as we journey through and see Jesus, who is God, rejected before the very people that he came to speak to. Lift up your hearts for your redemption draws nigh. Isn't that good news? And it's really good news that we won't be going through what the world is about to go through. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your message of hope and warning, Lord. See that I have told you these things beforehand. No one should be caught off guard in the church. Lord, those will be caught off guard in the world, but not the church. Lord, there's a stern warning here that the way we live our lives, the things of this world, the cares of this world, the fears of this world can weigh us down and we can become ineffective for the kingdom of God. So Lord, strengthen us in these days in which we live in. 
And we pray, Lord, that your return is this year in 2021. And if not, Lord, that you would give us the strength to endure until it is time for your return. Lord, we pray for this nation. We pray for the healing of this nation. We pray for the leaders, Lord, in our county, in our cities, Lord, to use wisdom and not fear when enacting laws. And so, Lord, thank you again that the church is meeting together. In Jesus' name, amen.